0: as I began to prepare for this sermon this morning, I saw this passage and the thing that struck me more than anything else was our need to pray. And so many Christians get so distracted that they need to be reminded that they need to pray. We just get so busy and then sometimes we can mess up and realize we've done something that offended to God. And just like Adam and Eve, we find ourselves hiding from him instead of going to the God who loves us and wants to help us. Well, I saw that at the beginning and I began looking at it and working on it and it convicted me and I even changed some of my routine to incorporate more of a different kind of prayer time than I had in the past. But as I began to look more, I saw, you know, prayer is important, but if you don't have the things that are needed beforehand, before you go into prayer, prayer can become something that's dry and meaningless. And as I began to look at all the different places that Paul talks to uh, the different churches, one thing I began to notice is how often he used the word thanksgiving tied with prayer. And we see it here whenever he says, first of all, I want you to listen to these first, these the sixth and seventh verses of the fourth chapter of Philippians. Again, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. That's hard to do, isn't it? But he gives you the formula in these two verses. Whenever you're starting to see something that you can get anxious about, he tells you how to handle it. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And then listen to the result of that. If you, you've got to understand this is, if you, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, this is the result And this is such a powerful promise. Listen to this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He will guard you from anxiety, you see. He will guard your hearts and your minds. If you bring your prayers and supplications before him, With what? Thanksgiving. Yeah. And it dawned on me, Thanksgiving is just right around the corner. Maybe I ought to save this sermon for another time. But then I decided, no, why just preach about Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Day? Whenever it's so important, it's so important. It's an important ingredient in our prayer life and in our Christian walk. You know, I started, like I said, thinking about prayer, and then God just led me into this whole word of thanksgiving. And so, this is what I really want to talk to you about this morning. What exactly is this thanksgiving that Paul mentions time and again in his letters? Because you see, it's not exactly what you think. You know, every year you see, I see people get kind of uneasy when Thanksgiving Day approaches and they know they're supposed to be thankful and uh, maybe they've got some tough things going on in life and they may ask themselves, how can I even celebrate Thanksgiving this year with this tough stuff that I'm facing? And the thing is, there are two kinds of gratitude. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, in his book, The Religious Affections, refers to natural gratitude and gracious gratitude. And I think those are two good handles or labels that we can put on this. Now, natural gratitude is something that every human being ever experiences from time to time. You don't have to be a Christian to experience what you would call natural gratitude. Anybody who has uh, peace and safety uh, and uh, some uh, sense of security is going to find themselves from time to time being grateful about something. And that's fine. But a Christian's thanksgiving or gratitude is different than that. But it's not that we don't experience natural gratitude, but there's a whole different level that we as Christians are supposed to be walking in. Natural gratitude starts with stuff. It starts with the things that we're given. It starts with the benefits which accrue to us, such as a car that goes and food on the table and as I said, all people have the ability to experience this kind of gratitude. And uh, I saw the other day an email address that was LuckyDog lucky dog at such and dot com. And, you know, if you think about that, you can think, well, you know, if there's someone that's grateful, you know, they and they and there's a humility there. They understand That they are experiencing blessings as you will or if you will that uh maybe they aren't due but they're glad they came their way and see that's natural gratitude but that but the thing is Whenever you're just living out a natural gratitude, you'll be going along, and I'm grateful because things are going well. And then, oh man, now I'm in trouble. How can I be thankful? How can I be? And then, oh, trouble's gone. Okay, you know. Anyway, this kind of it goes back and forth like that. Gracious gratitude starts in a different place. Gracious gratitude starts with God Himself. Gracious gratitude recognizes the character and the goodness and the love and the power and the excellencies of God himself, regardless of any favors or joys. Now, how do you get that? Gracious gratitude recognizes that I have reason to be grateful to God whether it's a good day or it's a bad day, whether it's raining or whether it's sunny, whether I'm employed or I'm unemployed, whether I have cancer or whether I'm cancer-free. This is gracious gratitude, and that is one of the distinguishing marks of a believer. In fact, I ran across a a passage this morning as I was looking at the Bible that uh, says that uh, if you've basically said, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, walk in it. Walk in it. There is a life to be lived in Christ. It's a distinguishing mark. And this kind of gratitude is one of those marks. Gracious gratitude starts with God, with who he is, and as I said, it's one of the real marks that the Holy Spirit is in a person's life, so that not only in the words you say, not only in the deeds expressed, but in the most unconscious way, Christ is expressed through your life. So here's the key to praying with thanksgiving as a believer. If you find yourself being ungrateful, just take yourself back to the cross. And as you're there, remember what you did before you were saved. And remember the sin that kept you from God and was sending you to hell. Remember your unsaved state. Remember the lack of peace that you had in your heart with God and with your surroundings. Remember your unsaved state and then remember what he graciously did on that cross just for you so that you could be free from your sins and the consequences you faced back then. Remember where you were Remember where you are, and then remember why you are where you are right now. All because of the love of God. If you read Colossians, the third chapter, the first through the 15th verses, you'll see that Paul starts all this with our salvation. And then he talks about putting off and putting on. I'm not going to read the entire Uh, uh, every verse 1 through 15 but I am going to kind of start at the beginning here it's in the third chapter in the first verse he starts off therefore if you have been raised up with Christ keep seeking things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God Set your mind on the things above and not the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Remember, I've talked for a couple of weeks about surrender, about not just committing, but about yielding your entire life to God, dying to Christ living to God. That's what we're talking about. Then he goes on and he says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And then, he says, And in them... You also once walked when you were living in them. Do you see the pattern there? Take yourself to the cross. Remember your salvation. Remember whose you are and who you are now and that you're not the same as you used to be. And then he goes on and says, but now you also, talking about the old things, put them all aside put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. And then he goes on and then on down in the 12th chapter, he says, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And then listen, last verse I'm going to read to you. Let the peace of Christ, allow the peace of Christ, yield to the peace of Christ. Surrender to it, you see. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be, guess what the word is there? Thankful. Be thankful. So you see, here's that pattern. Go to the cross. Remember whose you were. Now remember whose you are. And then he tells us to put off some things and put on some things. Seasons are changing. Our wardrobes are changing right now, aren't they? I mean, it's up and down now. You know, I put on a sweater this morning and this afternoon, I won't be wearing rolled up sleeves, you know, because we're in Texas. But the, the time is changing and there's going to come a time, When you're going to see somebody walking around in a t-shirt and shorts and it's going to look incongruent to you because it's not going to fit the weather and you're going to be concerned about that person because something's not right. Are they just really some of these people are just like polar bears or can they not afford clothing? You know, you're, there's something that red flags will go up whenever you see somebody not dressed the way that you think that they should be dressing. Well, this is an analogy uh, that Paul uses here with the things of our former life and the things of our current life in Christ. We're supposed to take those things from the past like immorality and uh, just undeserved anger and bitterness and those things. And just like you take your summer wardrobe and you take it and you fold it up, you put it away, you put it off, and then you take out your winter wardrobe or your fall wardrobe and you start putting it on. You see, you put away and you put on, or I used to work at my dad's service station. I would open in the morning and he'd come down. Uh, he'd come to the station before it was time to go to work. So I'd have time to go home and change because working at the station, I'd get all dirty and greasy and get gasoline slopped on me. And I'd smell like the service station. And I had to go home and put off my smelly work clothes clean up and put on my school clothes before I could go on to school. And the thing is, if I came to school and my work clothes with grease smeared all over me, people would say, what's going on with that guy, you know? And so this is, this this is just it. He talks about those things that are fitting for the lost and those things that are fitting and congruous and right for Christians. What we're supposed to be wearing as Christians. And let me tell you, the world can spot this incongruity faster than anything. Whenever somebody that calls themselves a Christian is being truly hateful, the world is going to be pointing fingers, said that's not Christian. Many times people in the world know more what a Christian ought to be like than Christians do, you know? And so, but that's just it. This and one of the most important things that we should be wearing and that people should see around us, you see, is a heart that overflows with gratitude to God. That is one of those ways that our light shines when we let it. It's there. If we accept it all and we let it. So, uh, Paul is saying that the transformation that we've experienced in salvation shows up in our lives and everybody else can see it or not see it. Gracious thanksgiving is one of those things that naturally manifests itself in the Christian. It fits. It looks right. It's a part of our attire. It's a part of our light. Sharon and I met yesterday with uh, a a first cousin of ours. In fact, that young lady sitting in the middle of the uh, row there, we ran across her there. And uh, it was just such a delight to see a familiar face in a place we had never sat down in before. And so that was so neat. But we uh, got together with my cousin. Uh, We saw her about a year or so ago at her brother's funeral, my my other cousin's uh, funeral. But we hadn't really sat down and talked with her in over a decade, I'm sure. A long, long time. And she's had a lot of water go under the bridge since then. And the thing is, is that as we sat there and we talked there, She said, as she was going through some of the tough things that she'd been through and where she is now, she said, I can see that God has brought me to this point in my life for a reason. It's not what I had planned for me at all, but I can see he had a better plan for me and he has a better plan for me and for everybody around me too. Now, you see, that's gracious thanksgiving just overflowing naturally from a believer the reverend william j a contemporary of john wesley and george whitfield penned this prayer which contains both gracious thanksgiving and natural thanksgiving and so i'm going to give you a test as you listen to his prayer pinpoint the gracious thanksgiving and the natural thanksgiving oh god You are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. You cover yourself with light as with a garment. You walk upon the wings of the wind. When we reflect on the glory of your majesty, we're filled with wonder at the vastness of your condescension. For you condescend even to behold the things that are in heaven. What then is my man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him? We rejoice that we are under the governance of a being who is not only almighty, but perfectly righteous and wise and good, and that all things in our world are appointed and arranged by your paternal agency. That your providence numbers the very hairs of our head, and that a sparrow falleth not to the ground without our Heavenly Father. Hitherto has the Lord helped us. We bless you now for personal mercies. If we are called, it is by your word. If we are renewed, it is by your spirit. If we are justified, It is freely by your grace. It is in you we live and move and have our being. Your goodness has always been near to us. And he goes on until he finally says, and we thank thee for relative benefits. Okay, now then, (laughs) do you see where the, the natural Gratitude pales into insignificant and insignificance whenever it comes to the glory of God. You see, the Christian recognizes that their life is not at the mercy of uh, some arbitrary and impersonal force, that we're not just treading water in a sea of chance, that we're not held in the grip of some blind deterministic power, but rather, as William J. said in his prayer, all the things that come our way in our lives and under our uh, uh, are under your paternal guidance. In other words, you are our heavenly Father. So, when the news is overwhelming. The believer can thank God that God sits enthroned over all military, political, social, and economic forces of our day. The Christian can face illness, disappointment, bereavement, unemployment, difficulty, sorrow, and the awareness of the fact that the God who has promised to look after the sparrow is profoundly involved in the life and circumstance of those whom he has made the special objects of his love, and that would be you. An easy way to grasp this is just to get a recording of Mahalia Jackson singing His Eye is on the Sparrow. Just turn it way up, and allow the truth of Jesus' words through that song to drive this home. Why should I be discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart seem lonely and long for heaven and home? But Jesus is my captain. My constant friend is he. And his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. That's the foundation, and that is the expression of gracious gratitude, you see. And this kind of overflowing gratitude will do a number of things. I'm not going to expound upon them this morning, but I want to tell you what they are. This is what happens. First, it's going to turn your gaze to God and away from ourselves and our circumstances. It'll turn your gaze to God. Secondly, such overflowing gratitude defends against the devil's uh, attempt to bring despair and distrust. The devil comes and says, it's all over, man. That's it. That's it. He comes and says, You shouldn't trust the Bible. You shouldn't trust God. You shouldn't really pay any attention to that stuff at all. Overflowing gratitude is an antidote for that. Overflowing gratitude, thirdly, protects from pride. And a lot of us need that. It will eradicate from our vocabulary this phrase, I deserve more than this. And it will blot out of our vocabulary. Also this phrase, I don't deserve this. And fourthly, it will allow us to rest in the realization that God's loving purpose is being worked out in experiences that are not only pleasant and encouraging, but also in the experiences that are disconcerting and painful. Because after all, expressions of gratitude for things that are pleasurable that's no surprise. It's only by grace that we learn to overflow with thankfulness in all circumstances. And that doesn't mean just biddly bopping around with a silly grin. It doesn't mean the denial of that which is painful and difficult, but still that overflowing thankfulness is there. I can remember sitting with a family that had lost their 21-year-old son in a trucking accident, and the father was sitting there in such grief, and he turned to me and he said, Joel, I just want you to tell me one thing. How does anybody get through something like this without the Lord? You see, even in the midst of his pain, he knew that God was with him. He knew that he was God's. Jonathan Edwards died as a result of receiving a smallpox vaccination. And when the news reached reached his wife, Sarah, she wrote to her daughter, what shall I say? A holy and good God has covered us with a dark cloud. In other words, he was taken out not by chance as a result of a smallpox exact, in, injection. A smallpox vaccine took him out under the overruling providence of God, who, looking upon his servant, determined that this would be the best way for him to come home, be the best way for him to be brought to his eternal reward. And God always does what is right and never gets his timing wrong. And then she goes on and she adds, has covered us with a dark cloud, but he has made me adore his goodness that we had him for so long. And then she continues on. But my God lives and he has my heart. And oh, what a legacy your father and my husband has left to us. We're all given to God. And there I am. And there I love to be. What a letter from your mom on the death of your dad. Where does that come from? Not from natural gratitude. Natural gratitude rails against it. Gracious gratitude says, I am covered by a dark cloud, but let's pray. Most gracious God, our heavenly Father, look upon us in your grace, we pray this morning. Help us to understand what Jesus has done in dealing with our alienation and with our bondage and all of our turned in upon our selfness. Unite us to your Son, we pray so that out of our union with him, we might overflow with thankfulness. And then even when our days are covered with dark clouds, that we may learn to sing your praise. For your son's sake, we pray. Amen.